morning everyone. Thank you for joining us online. We're excited to share what God is doing in our midst and want to keep you up to date with the following announcements. Lockdown is a time of prayer. Unity lies within the power to hear the same thing from God. Join us during this lockdown time to pray every morning at 6 only for 20 minutes on Zoom or on Monday nights for intercession from 8 to 9 p.m. Explore with us the book of Daniel every Tuesday morning from 6.30 till 7 a.m. We are discussing one chapter at a time with a week of exploring in between. Let's search the historical context and relevance of Daniel's prophecies together. Our ministry is funded by the generous giving of our members and friends. Kindly support this ministry by giving towards our course. Please help us to help those in need by giving towards our BodySurve account. Good morning. Uh, another morning in lockdown time and it's amazing to spend time with you. What a privilege it is to share the gospel and to still communicate with one another. Um, reaching the nations, putting God first. And that is our motto. That's what we live for, you know, to reach the nations. God has a heart for the nations. And I can see it in this time being such a... Uh, yeah, a glorious time to share the gospel worldwide, globally. Um, within weeks, months, we've um, come to a place where the world is now truly a global community. And um, I think we as Christians are so negative and speaking so many negative words on Facebook, on Instagram, on the social media platforms that we have, Twitter. And um, I think it's time for us to really decide what we are standing for rather than what we are standing against. We often forget uh, what we are standing for because we're so involved in criticizing everything around us that we forgot that we've got a beautiful testimony as Christians to live out and the love of God to spread the hope of Christ in this time that we are living in. And, uh, and so what the devil normally does is he subtly, it's very subtly, twists the truth um, and he gets us sidetracked so that we don't focus on the promises of God. And I want to encourage you, get to a place where you are not sidetracked where you are not focusing on the wrong things um, because the uh, the bible even speaks about in the last days we will see a form of godliness but uh, we will deny the power of it and i want to say to you the gospel is powerful and um, and therefore it can change lives and there's a lot of hope in the times that we are living in to uh, reach people with the gospel and to, in our own lives, be changed and transformed um, in the image of Christ. And so it's not a time of promoting ourselves to promote individual or, you know, even ministries with names. It's a time to glorify the presence of God. It's a time where you and I must realize that, um, that God wants to be glorified in everything that we do. And so um, I want to share a few things with you this morning that I believe is going to help us not to be deceived because I think that the church can so easily be deceived and 
um, be sidetracked on what God wants us to, um, to, to get. And, you know, when we, we, talk, to, we talk a lot about, um, you know, the false prophets in our midst. There's so much information that's going around now. Everyone is just promoting their ministries and almost taking advantage of this situation. You know, if I get another email about a special offer that there is for ministry material or, you know, um, online uh, media and, 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 and ministry material that, that I can buy, then I'm going to really, you know, get fed up. Um, I want to see the glory of God being ministered to people. And I, I want to ask you to be authentic, to, to really uh, use this time not to glorify yourselves, but to see it as a time where we need to promote God, promote what God is testifying about what God is doing in our lives. Um, and uh, 1 Timothy 3 verse 15 says, but if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. And, you know, I, I really believe that the church is the um, entity that Christ has chosen to reveal his truth till he comes back. Um, the church is the place where, where Christ... Um, you know, brought his gospel to safety, to a place where he entrusted it unto the church um, to, to fight for the truth of the gospel. And, um, and, and therefore, it's, it's the carrier. It's the carrier of the gospel in the times that we are in. Um, it's the responsible institution that will protect the gospel until Jesus comes back and make it relevant in the society that we are in. And by relevant, I don't mean that we need to change it to fit our circumstances, to change it to fit our desires, um, but rather to find the best way to operate within the boundaries of the truth that God has given us. And, um, and, and, and I know that the early church was not even perfect. Uh, the early church was not even uh, the kind of church that had everything together. And so I can tell you the church is not perfect, the body of Christ is not perfect, but it is the vessel of honor that Christ has chosen in these last days to, uh, to protect the truth. And, um, and so I want to say to you, if we are talking about false um, prophets, about false doctrines, about falseness in this time that we are living, it's subtle. It's not, um, you know, a clear and obvious uh, falsity to it and uh, and I want to encourage you not to to get swayed by the evil one not to get swayed by um, the the form of godliness that the world presented this stage as well I really believe that God is even going to in this time challenge us as a church to become more pure to be more of a spotless bride to uh, to get rid of the false doctrines and the false face that we um, show the world about Christianity. So let us use this time of consecration, this time of uh, lockdown, to really get closer to Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whatever good or bad. Um, and so 
I want to talk about the Revelations churches, uh, Revelations 3 today, just to, to, to get to the bottom of what is the false perceptions that the church even has um, about Jesus and about the walk with Him. I believe that these seven churches we use to, to actually portray to us what Christ wants to see within the church. And we know that there was only two churches that was um, actually not rebuked um, among the seven churches in Revelations 2 and 3. Um, and that was the church of Philadelphia and the church of Smyrna. The other churches all were rebuked for not getting it right. And it says in Revelations that Jesus is walking along the lampstands and he's even removing those who are not fulfilling the mandate of Christ, not representing him well. And I really believe in these uh, days that we are living in that we are going to see um, some ministries even being removed. <laughs> um, let us not be that ministry. Let us be the pure ministry of Christ, the body of Christ, and, um, and seek after His presence. He loves His church. He works endlessly, tirelessly. Jesus is working for His church. And therefore, He's giving us a picture that we must go and explore, go and uh, see how can we get it right in these days that we are living not to let deception um, come into our heart. I want to say to you, these churches believe that they all were in the right place with Christ. They believe that all of them were focused on the gospel and in, in representing Christ well. And yet, five of the seven missed it. And we must learn from them. Um, I unfortunately can't this morning spend time on all seven. But I want to just bring two... Uh, uh, of the churches to you, which I present to you as, you know, almost the opposite poles of, you know, getting it right and getting it wrong. And uh, I want to this morning have um, some um, discussions with you around this. And um, Revelations 2 verse 1 to 7 speaks about um, Ephesus. And it says in verse 1, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars. And I, I want you to actually listen to how Jesus represents himself and what he is saying about the church and then also about the promise that, um, that he has for this church. There's hope as well. Okay. So... It says here, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found themselves liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake. And have not become weary. Nevertheless, listen to this. I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Remember and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Unless you repent, unless you turn from your ways and come back to me. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. You as an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes will 
um, gave to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So, um, Ephesus was the, was the first church mentioned um, in the book of, of Revelations. Um, it was the one that was spoken about uh, by John, John being taken to Patmos, uh, an island close to Ephesus, to prevent him to share the gospel further on. He was an old man already, over his 80s, um, and he received these messages from Jesus. So it's not him speaking even, it's Jesus speaking through him to the churches. Um, these letters were even taken to the different churches afterwards, and they had the opportunity to, um, to even redirect their thinking toward uh, what, what God has in store for them. Um, so the first church was mentioned in Ephesus, and, um, and Paul started this church in Ephesus in his third missionary journey in Asia. Uh, it does not exist anymore. Um, Jesus knows what is going on in every church even today and is walking along these lampstands and some of them are even removed. Um, they were on fire once. They, they had the Spirit of God in them once. Um, but uh, certainly they were diverted. They uh, went astray. And that's my message this morning is how do we prevent ourselves from being led astray. God knows what is going on even in our personal lives. And so the Nicolaitans, um, luckily for the Ephesus church, it, it is mentioned that they also hated the Nicolaitans, those false prophets that was coming with a pretense to be real and yet they didn't have the true gospel. So there was all kinds of seductive um, powers uh, in those times. Um, there was all kinds of things that, that brought the church not to love God anymore, but to, to make a deliberate choice to follow um, Christ. In our time, there's so many ways, even in our Christian churches, that we are going astray, missing God, not focusing on Him. I'm thinking of, of things like the grace um, gospel, where we don't talk about the discipline of God anymore, where we are so afraid to miss out on the opportunity to bring people into the church that we've become so seeker-sensitive that we've lost our way in um, teaching people to give up their lives, to turn away from their wicked ways and follow God. I'm thinking of, you know, just the prosperity gospel, the, the fact that we only talk about God's goodness and, um, and we, we, brought, we brought ourselves to a place where we only serve God when He is giving us things, when uh, we only serve Him if He's good um, to us. And you know, uh, information overload, we, we don't even know these days what to choose among all the different um, ministry material that we can get. And it distracts us from um, what God is busy doing in our lives because we're not listening to Him again. We are busy listening to the interpretation of many people um, following Christ. And, um, and we as Christians are becoming so lazy within uh, going to God and listening to His uh, divine uh, revelation to us that we are missing on the greatest opportunity to have a relationship with Him. And so, you know, Christ is even saying to this church, flee from temptation. 
um, because God will raise a standard and He will make those who are serving Him to stand up for what is right. I don't want to talk today about everything that is wrong in the church because again, then we will say, what are we against rather than what we are for? But this church has lost its first love. It has lost the opportunity um, to do the first works again of that day when you got saved, when you fell in love with Christ and his kingdom and his way of doing and doing the things that um, that is in God's word because you love him, not because you must. And so the second church that I want to talk about is Laodicea, the, uh, the lukewarm church, Revelations 3 verse 14 to 22. And to the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Listen again how Jesus introduced himself. He says the Amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. So, so again, Jesus is describing himself in a way in which he wants to present himself to the church. Um, because the church of Laodicea is not faithful. Um, they are not the true witness, the faithful face of, of Christ in the time. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are rich, miserable, poor. This is not nice things to say to a church. <laughs> but it's true. It's direct. It's Christ speaking. I do not know that you are, and, and that you do not know that you are rich, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy for me gold. Listen to this. Jesus is giving them the answer. Buy for me gold, refined in the fire, refined, refined, pure gold in the fire, that you may be rich. Listen to this. He's talking about the richness that they must um, embrace. And white garments, that you may be clothed, that you sh your sh the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, um, these churches were in a half circle almost, and, um, and this one was about 90 miles from Ephesus, uh, this church of Laodicea. This town name means judgment of the people, and um, it's compared to the modern-day church, actually. Uh, again, John is the messenger, and he's speaking to the angel of the house, the messenger, um, of which I believe, again, that you know, the leader, the pastor, the, the reverend, the minister of the gospel that is leading people will be first judged. And we must be clear about this. There's a great responsibility on the leaders of this time. And, um, and we must pray for our leaders because they will be confronted by the truth of God. And God will judge them for um, leading people astray. 
note that Jesus introduced himself as the solution. Um, he, he, he introduced himself as the Amen, the faithful and true witness. Um, amen means firm, true, or faithful. Um, the faithful and true witness are almost overemphasized because it's everything that the Laodiceans are not. And, um, and God knows the heart of these people. Psalm 139, verse 1 to 4. And I want to say to you, God knows your heart. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. God knows all your ways. He knows your heart. He knows what's going on in your life. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Um, there was actually no signs that they were serving God. There was no fruits in their lives. They were lukewarm, and it was an abomination to God. Um, they didn't have an opinion about things. They, they were sitting on the fence all the time. And it's almost disgusting to God. Because what is a church if it doesn't stand up for what is right? You know, we've become so politically correct as the church of God that we are missing the opportunity to, to be the backbone of society, to be those who are speaking the right things. And to the church of Laodicea, the biggest problem that God has is that they are lukewarm, <laughs> that they are spineless, that they don't have the um, makeup of a church that actually stands for, for His truth. And I can tell you that the church has become spineless. We must start to, uh, to stand for the things that is, that is right. Um, to, uh, to take leadership at this time and to really see um, God's people being led to a place where they can see His face. Um, and, and I can tell you they've been materially very rich. It says there, they were rich in material things, but they were so poor in spirit. Um, if that is your focus, if your focus is on natural, physical things at this time that we are in, I can tell you, you will be poor in spirit. Because um, whatever you focus on is the way in which you will direct your life. Verse 17 says, Because you say, I'm rich, I've become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable. These are terrible things to say to a church. You know, there's a, there's a happy gospel going around where, you know, everything is always just going well with serving Christ. That's a lie. I can tell you, it's not always easy to serve Christ. But it's certainly the only way. It's certainly the best place of contentment and peace that you will ever find in your life. Jesus gave them the solution. Isaiah 55 verse 1 I want to uh, mention quickly. Oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and you have no money. Come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Um, these uh, scriptures in verse 18 of Revelation um, 3 says that you must come and buy gold only from Jesus. If your focus is not on Jesus for the gold, 
I can tell you, your focus will be on everything else in society and the solutions of the world rather than to run to him for all your problems. Um, it's a beautiful story about Jesus walking alongside the, the Lake of Galilee and, um, and the disciples are, are busy struggling, uh, going through a storm. And then Jesus started to walk on the water toward them. And after them struggling for quite a while, uh, Jesus um, come close to them. And they were almost afraid of what's busy happening and, and seeing Jesus as the spirit that's walking on the water because it's not making sense, a person walking on water. And then Jesus says, it's I, it's me. And they, they invite him into the boat and they're so glad and happy. And then after that, everything changed because they reached the shore shortly thereafter. They immediately, the storm got stalled. They were directed again and uh, their worries um, became nothing. You know, when, when, when Christ uh, walk on the water, he's not troubled. He's not faced by it. He walks <laughs> on trouble. He walks on um, situations. And, and I can tell you, when we start to focus on the gold, you can't keep your eyes off it because that's the solution of everything in your life. Every part of your being is just serving Christ with, um, with him being the focus. You know, your priorities, your social life even turns to him. Your, your workspace start to become a dedication, a sweet fragrance, a sweet sacrifice unto him. You bring it to him and you ask him about what do you need to do next because you love him so much. Come and buy gold. Come and make him the focus um, of your life. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 12 to 15. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself at least will be saved. Yet so as through fire. White clothes, it says in Revelations. It says, he will give you white clothes. Your, your, your sins will be forgiven. If you focus on Jesus, you will be able to live a lifestyle of repentance and a lifestyle of humility before him to make him cleanse you, um, to be refined by the gold. Uh, Romans 3, verse 25 to 26 whom God set forth as appropriation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because of his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. It even says to the Laodiceans, that he will repair the sight of the blind. Now, Laodicea was known for a specific medicine that they had or that they made in that um, town, a tablet that was broken into powder, and that powder then was mixed with, with um, water, and that was put on people's eyes so that they could receive um, their, uh, in their eyes healing again, so their sight can be restored. Uh, it's ironic because 
Christ says he's going to come and repair their sight. He's going to give them um, the right vision again. Back to the first love of God's will for their lives. Doing whatever Christ wants them to do. So humble yourselves and seek God. Do the things that's on his heart. There's, um, um, you know, in Hebrews 12, verse uh, 3 to 12. Maybe I should just read it quickly to you. Um, there's, um, there's a beautiful Scripture. Let me just read it to you. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted the bloodshed striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged, and when you are rebuked by him, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and scourges every son who he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom the father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to whom or to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Jesus disciplined his church. Um, it says, yeah, you know, that... Um, that Jesus wants to, to discipline us to a place where we can become pure again. And, you know, there's so many people in the church today that don't want to be disciplined, not by Jesus or by the, the members of the church and by the leadership. And I want to say to you, willingly subject yourself under discipline. Willingly allow yourself to, to live according to the accountability even with people around you because rather let people help you to, uh, to stay on the path of righteousness than um, God's wrath to come against you. Um, for us, it's a beautiful place where as sons, we can um, redefine our lives. We can redefine the lifestyles that we are doing because we allow ourselves to be humble enough to embrace the truth. And, um, you know, I cannot take the neighbor's kids and give them a hiding or to, uh, to even, these days we cannot even give hidings, um, or to, uh, to discipline them. Let's rather say that. Because for them, they must be disciplined by their parents. But I do have the right over my children to discipline them uh, because it's out of a place of love. It's out of a place that I care for them so much that I don't want them to make this mis these mistakes um, out there in the world where they will um, be on the receiving end of a cruel world that will make life difficult for them. I want them to rather learn these things in my home so that they can receive the healing that is needed in their lives. The promise 
and, and maybe I should first say, Revelation 3 verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him. And he ate with me. Christ wants to share time with you and he wants to, uh, to discipline you in a way that you will receive life and be blessed. And so um, the promise, Revelation 3, 21, then verse 22 says, To whom overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So I want to add a third church um, uh, from these two churches that I've mentioned, and that is the church of Smyrna, the church that, that actually was not rebuked. Revelations 2, verse 8 to 11. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. You as an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You overcome shall not be hurt by the second death. Again, Jesus introduced himself as the first and the last. He's binding himself to time, um, to actually, to the first and to the last, to, to the everlasting life. He's saying to them, don't let the priority of the physical that you are now going through become more important than the eternal life that you are going to receive. There's tribulation coming, you're going to find difficult times, but make sure to focus on the, the eternal rewards that I have for you. The second church was mentioned that was mentioned is um, Smyrna. Um, this church was about 35 miles from Ephesus. Um, it was a, a very wealthy city. They say that it had amazing architects. The most beautiful architecture um, was in this city. The only thing that they said that was wrong was actually the sewage system, that that didn't work. I don't know how um, you know architects could get the beauty right, but not you know the filth. Um, but they were a very wealthy city. Today they're still a beautiful city and the climate is just perfect. It's actually um, in some cases called the crown of Asia beautiful architecture and then um, today it's called Ishmael uh, it's um, in Turkey and it, it's a harbor city and it still exists today um, different than the other churches this one still exists and it still has a beautiful Christian community and Je Jesus identifies himself as the one who is not bound to time that he actually has time in his hand. He has total control and all the authority um, because he resurrected. He's got power over death. There's not an end to life when you, um, when you look at Jesus, to Jesus. And, um, and he's giving them encouragement. He says to them, let the suffering of the message now not um, you know, uh, uh, distract you. Ironic about Smyrna is that it means myrrh, 
which was a drug that was used to kill pain uh, in those days, but also a very sweet fragrance. It was um, taken all over the world. It was the greatest exporter also of myrrh, the city Smyrna. And, um, and uh, it was used for a, a lot of different means at the time. It was given to the baby Jesus. We know in Matthew 2 verse 11, uh, John 19 verse 39 also talk about the ointment to the corpse of Jesus. Um, it, um, it was also offered to Jesus with wine at the cross. Um, but it was also always um, almost connected with pain, suffering, and death uh, because of its sweet fragrance and being you know, used for corpses to, um, to actually maintain them. It was, um, it was associated with the pain and death. And for this church, going through such hard times, they were so poor because these people lost their possessions because they served Christ. Um, they, they were persecuted and they were in stadiums actually exploited and exposed for people to see naked to, um, to the public so that uh, people could see um, what happens to, to Christians. And um, what they had to do is at least once a year proclaim the name of Caesar as Lord in their lives. They even got a certificate that um, then uh, said that they worshipped um, Caesar as proof um, not to go through tribulation. But these Christians were persecuted um, terribly. Uh, terrible things happened to them. But it says that they were spiritually rich. They were focused. They knew what was the main priority in their lives. Um, Jesus even calls the Jews um, uh, those who are from the church of the devil. <laughs> uh, the church in that community, uh, the Jews in the, the, that community, because they were the biggest persecutors of these Christians. They were the ones who actually would tell the government of the time, the Roman Empire, um, and, um, and its officers uh, when there's people that profess Christ and they were then um, uh, persecuted. So I want to say to you, even in the church today, much of the opposition would come from believers, from people who proclaim to serve Christ and yet when, um, when the tough gets going, they are rather going with the world. And there was one soothing for these Christians. Don't fear these things. Jesus did not say, I'm going to take hardship. He said, don't fear these things because I will be with you. John 17 verse 15, Jesus said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Jesus was saying that, uh, praying this to the Father but that you should keep them from the evil one. Um, Jesus taught them to overcome their challenges and hardship. It was not easy, but he will never leave nor forsake them. The same promise is for us today. And I want to say to you today, you don't need to go through persecution or through hardship to come closer to Christ, to make him the priority and the love of your life. Um, it's a, it's a focus. <laughs> it's, a, it's to know Him as everything in your life. 
He allowed the enemies to come against them, but assured them of his love for them. They are encouraged to stay committed because of the prize in the crown of eternity. Our reward lies in the peace of not being part of the second death, but to endure to the end. I want to say to you, it's time to endure. It's time to overcome our current circumstances. So there was this disciple of John at the time, Polycarp, or known in Greek terms, Polycarpus. And, um, and he was a martyr for the gospel. Um, and I want to just quickly read out of the, the, his, the history books of the Christian church of those um, times, just a few things about his death um, and the way that he was committed to Christ till the end in order for us to learn and to see what the Christians actually went through at the time. They so loved Christ that they would give up everything for him. Um, it says here in the, the um, writings, it says, And at the late hour, after they came upon him, indeed, and this was Polycarp now, um, at his home, uh, they found that man, Polycarp, laying down in a certain small housetop in an upper room. Now he was also being able to go away. So he, he had the opportunity to actually run away, but he didn't from that place into a different site. But instead he was not made willing. After he spoke, let the will of God be done. So he was resting in the will of God. Therefore, after he heard they were present, he, he after he descended, thoroughly spoke with them. So he went to them, he spoke to them. The ones who were present were marveling at his stature and his ability and why there was so much effort for such an elderly man such as this man to be arrested. Therefore straight away at the very hour he directed a table to be set before them to eat and to drink as much as with whatever they might be wishing. But he requested them for himself in order that they might give to him an hour with the intention to pray to God without anxiety. But after the men permitted this, uh, after he stood, prayed to God facing east, being full of the fav favor of God in this manner, so that for two hours, so it's now ready for two hours, he was not being able to be silent, and that the ones who were hearing him were being astonished. Also that many were changing their minds over the fact that they had come against such a good-fitting elderly man. And after they sat him down on a donkey, they led him into the city, it being the great Sabbath. And the police chief Herodus and his father Nicodemus um, went out to meet him, who also after they transferred with him to their closed um, carriage, were persuading him, while sitting themselves down beside him and saying, For what evil is there to say? Caesar is Lord. So why don't you just say it? Jesus, uh, Caesar is Lord, and to sacrifice at the altar and these following things and to be being thoroughly saved. But the man indeed at first did not answer them. This is now Polycarpus. But since they themselves were persisting, he declared, I'm not going to do what you are counseling me. And after he was not turned back, as though having suffered nothing, he was going on his way eagerly with effort, being led into the stadium. The turmoil in the stadium was so vast 
so that someone was not even being able to be heard at all. But while Polycarpus was entering into the stadium, a voice came to him from out of heaven, being str be strong, Polycarpus, and be acting like a man, for I am with you. And indeed, no one saw the one who spoke, but our people who were present heard the voice. And so Polycarpus declared, for 86 years, I'm being enslaved to him, and he did nothing unrighteous to me. And how am I being able to revile my king, he, the one who saved me? But while he himself was again persisting and saying, swear by the fortune of Caesar, Polycarpus answered, if you are holding the vain opinion in order that I might swear by the fortune of Caesar, as you are saying, but are pretending to being ignored of me, who, am I, who I am, be hearing me with outspokenness. I am a Christian. But if you are wanting to learn the account of Christianity, give a day and hear it. And so they refused. They didn't want him to... Um, give them the account they said he can speak to the crowds um, and he said it would be in vain because they would not listen to him they were working themselves up at this time and and wanting to wanting him to be killed to their own fascination to their own um, um, fun and it says later on in the document it says now while he was saying these things and many different things he was filled up full of courage and joys and his face were being filled with favor so as not only for it to not altogether fall uh, after it was disturbed by the things being said to him but instead for the proconsul on the country to be amazed also for him to send his own preacher who was in the middle of the stadium to preach three times Polycarpus confessed himself to be a Christian after this it was said by the preacher all the multitude of both nations and Judeans were crying loudly with unrestrainable uh, fury and a great voice. This is the teacher of Asia, the father of Christians, the taker-downer of our gods, the one who is teaching many to not to be sacrificing, nor even to be bowing down to them. While they were saying these things, they were crying loudly and were asking Philippus, the Asia chief, in order that might discharge a lion upon Polycarpus. Um, and then he said that um, the time of the animals uh, for the day to, to kill people was gone, so they had to do um, something else. Um, the only way left was to, to burn him at the stakes. And therefore, these things came to pass with such great quickness, more quickly than it was spoken. The crowds immediately gathering together 27 pieces of wood and brushwood out of both the workshops and the bathhouses. And then, but while they were going to be also nailing him to something, he spoke, dismiss me in this matter. For the one who gave power to me to endure the fire will give power to me to remain unbothered on the pyre even without you, securing me with nails. Now the men indeed did not nail him on, but they bound him. But the man himself put his hands behind his back and was bound to it. For after the fire made a form of an arch, as though it were a linen sail if, of a, a boat sail, uh, being filled by spirit, it walled around the body of the testifier in a circle. According to at length the lawless men seeing 
that this body was not being able to be wa uh, wasted by the fire, directed a confector. After he came to him, he stuffed a dagger into him. And after he did this, a dove and a multitude of blood came out so as to dis uh, extinguish the fire and for all the crowd to wonder if there was some such great diversity between both the faithless ones and the elect ones. Yo, this is powerful things uh, being said um, about a man in the faith that was you know, dying for Christ. And I want to say to you, the Christians at the time went through a lot of hardship to follow Christ in the midst of the circumstances and times that they were living, in the opposition of um, the Roman Empire and the, the lifestyles that people lived. How much more we that are living in these um, days need to just come back to Christ and the fullness of loving Him so much that we will even die for Him. Jesus gives to the churches a warning, a promise, and an encouragement. Uh, we know that only Smyrna and Philadelphia was not rebuked. Um, and I want to say to you, they, they, um, the theologians of, would um, agree that the persecuted church is the New Testament church um, of the apostles, but the lukewarm church is actually the church of today, the Laodicea church. Um, we don't, uh, don't determine the outcome. Jesus judges all according to their works. But you and I need to actually get ourselves focused <laughs> to, um, to serve Him with everything that we have. This is a radical gospel. This is a radical lifestyle even toward a king that laid down his life, that was willing to do everything for us. We are so comfortable in the times that we are in. We are so comfortable as a church. We have become so used to even the freedom to serve Christ. I really believe that we are moving toward times where we are going to receive a lot of persecution. There's lots of our brothers and sisters in places like Iran that is going through a lot of hardship. Um, one of the the most, uh, the fastest growing churches in the world today is the Church of Iran. And they are going through immense persecution. The Western church is lukewarm. We need to get back to a real love of Christ, a place where we will readjust our lives to Him and Him alone. What prevents us from going astray? And I want to just um, end off with six things that I want to leave with you. The first one is, do not isolate yourself. Jesus is coming back for his church, his bride. Don't allow the enemy to isolate you in such a way that you are not accountable, that you are not cared for, and that he can take advantage of you. We need to stand together with other Christians in the faith uh, to come closer to Christ. The second thing is return to uh, the first love and first works you've done when you received Christ. Remind yourself of the things that uh, you've done when you just got close to Him. And if, if 
today you are making such a decision to serve him um, and to follow him, make sure to even remember these, um, you know, uh, starting days where, where everything just makes sense about Jesus, where everything is just exciting about him. Because that's the way that we will stay in love with him, that we will uh, keep on doing the right things. Thirdly, put God first. Persecution is not needed to make a choice. We can make a choice to serve Him and to make Him the most important thing in our lives. Put Him first. Third, uh, fourthly, small sins are big sins. Don't allow any wrongdoing in your life. Fourthly, allow being corrected by your brothers and sisters in Christ. Stop this notion to even decide if you want to be offended or not. You are not growing. Return to the first love means we are willing to be dis disciplined and corrected by Him to become spiritually rich. Number six, to be spiritually rich means to know and stand for the things on His heart. Put God first. And number seven, assurance that we have is that he will never leave us nor forsake us let's pray together father we pray that in our hearts the passion of not being distracted and to go astray would um, would burn to the place where we will love you more that we will passionately pursue you more that you will be the only priority in our lives. Father God, we pray that we will be like the church in Smyrna, Father God, that has nothing left but you to, to become the most important thing in our lives. Father God, I pray that we will even readjust our lifestyles, not to be so um, fascinated, uh, distracted, Father God, by physical things and desires but that we will make you the most important thing in our lives, that our lives and our decisions around our lives will be directed by your priorities. Thank you, Christ, that we know that you will lead us in this time. You will never leave us nor forsake us, that the difficult times are lying ahead, but we know that you are the Savior of our lives, that the eternity and living with you forever is more important than anything that we can endure in this lifetime. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you need any ministry at this time, if there's anything that you uh, feel on your heart, um, Christ is saying to you, maybe you feel this morning that you've lost your first love even with Him. Maybe you feel this morning that you have gone astray Maybe the priorities of a lifestyle of worldliness has become so much that you have even missed Him in the midst of your circumstances. Maybe you have not known Him before. Maybe you feel the emptiness of a life that heads nowhere. And Christ needs to become the Lord and Savior of your life. If that is the truth, I want to encourage you to afterwards um, link into the Zoom uh, link for ministry. There will be two links. Uh, one will be for fellowship for the church members and the other one for ministry toward you. 
uh, I want to encourage you to actually be part of it, to, um, to, to, to receive ministry. If you want to receive Christ even, we would be glad to pray with you. Uh, come into that link and, and let's allow Christ today into your life. Thank you.